Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. We'd like to thank our friends at Sleep Number for sponsoring the Thrive Global podcast. Sleep Number is changing the way we sleep with their latest beds, the Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds. They automatically adjust on each side to keep you sleeping comfortably all night. Discover the difference at sleepnumber.com slash thrive. Hello and welcome to the Thrive Global podcast on iHeartRadio. My guest today is so many things. She's what they call in Hollywood a multi-hyphenate. She's not only an actress, a best-selling author, a talk show host, a comedian, an activist. She's also the funniest truth teller on the planet. Chelsea Handler, thank you so much for being here in your beautiful home in rainy Bel Air. I know. Isn't it nice when it rains? It's a nice break from the hot sun every single day. I love it. And I love this new chapter in your life. Because um, I've always said that so often, especially women, we have a hard time declaring one stage done and moving on to the next stage because our heart is calling us to do something else. And you did that. Yeah, I like doing that. I mean, I have a short, I have, I, I talked to this about this with my therapist. I have a short, like I, I need constant dopamine, like I need constant reward. So I don't have a long attention span for things. So once I feel like I've got something or I'm into it, or I've like hit my stride, then I kind of become bored with it. And then I want to try something else I haven't done. And this year, we're the last year with the election, it kind of just like gave you no choice. But to, for me, there was no choice but to focus on that because I had such high outrage. And also because you said you wanted to do something real that would make a difference at this moment in our history. Well, I felt like everyone was calling everybody in Hollywood and New York elitist, elitist, elitist. And I felt like I wasn't an elitist because I grew up in New Jersey. My father was a used car dealer. I didn't come from a trust fund or anything like that. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, well, I've become an elitist. That's exactly what I wanted to become when I was a little girl, to get away from my father and, you know, his used cars and have, like, a big house in Bel Air and have a lot of money and be able to do whatever I wanted to do. And I am, I have become an elitist. So it made me realize that I had to really just dial everything back and take a beat and not just sit there and, and, you know, spout off what I wanted to happen without doing the legwork or without putting my money where my mouth is. And so... Spending the last few months um, going around the country, speaking at universities, talking to conservatives, um, tempering my temper, trying to have real conversations without getting angry or being reactive or hating somebody because they voted for Trump, being just more open-minded about other people's experiences and learning about the places that I don't know anything about in this country. And I love that you said that you wanted to do all that 
without being that kind of person that people are running away from? Uh, well, I think people are still running away from me. I'm sure people are like, shut up already. You're so annoying. But that's par for the course. You know, I mean, I think if you stick your neck out for anything, especially politics, this industry is very, you know, scared. People recoil at that. They don't want to lose their fan base. They don't want to lose their branding deal. Or they don't want to lose this endorsement deal. Luckily, I don't have any of those to worry about. So, I mean, I've never been that kind of person. So I don't mind doing it. And I know that there's a lot of backlash that comes with it, but I'm fine with that too. But don't you think that people are so easily outraged by a joke that they don't like? Like what happened with Michelle Wolf at the White yeah. House Correspondents Dinner? Yeah. I've been to that. First of all, that's an unwinnable gig, the White House Correspondents Dinner. You can't win or lose. I mean, if you don't go far enough, you get, you know, you're not, you didn't try hard. If you go too far, you were in poor taste. I mean, we're dealing with an administration. I don't have any pity for Sarah Huckabee Sanders, so I don't really care what who's making fun of her or what they're saying. She kind of deserves that. She lies to the American public every single day. So I don't care about, like, you can't make fun of a woman as a woman. That's sexist, too. It's all sexist. If we're going to have this whole movement about not being sexist and Me Too and Time's Up, then we should also set the parameters that, you know what, if women, if she, she deserves everything that a man deserves. Yeah, I think the point was... The joke that reflected on her physical appearance. Right. It wasn't really on her. But for me, it's about the fact that there's so much outrage about that compared to the fact that, as Michelle Wolf said, Flint still doesn't have clean water. So what are we more outraged over? Yeah, of course. It's, I mean, we're in such a time, we're in such a contentious time that everything, every argument is futile. It's like if you turn on the news, you know, there's literally breaking news every 30 seconds. So if you don't listen to the news for two hours, you miss something. But the grand summary of it all every day is the same bullshit every single day. Nothing new happens except somebody gets fired. But it's the same cycle of events over and over with just different characters plugged in. So it does behoove you to not watch the news, (laughs) read everything in the morning and then go to bed, and then next day you can read it again. But don't watch the news. Don't turn it on. It's a habit I have a hard time breaking. But I really, it, you know, it's just so toxic. But do you get tons of notifications to your phone? Yeah, I mean, of course. But there's always something happening. And it's the quality of your, you know, it's the quality of your day. You know, when I went away... In December for Christmas, I just stayed in Canada. I skied in Whistler for three weeks. I didn't come home. And it was just such a nice reprieve from being so wrapped up in the news. And that's not the best way to harness my energy. And I realized that. You know, me sitting by the TV getting angry, screaming at, you know, whomever, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, every single day in my master bedroom is not how I want to harness my energy. There's so many good things that I can do with that energy. And so, you know, I partnered with Emily's List. I'm doing work with Wave. I'm in Orange County to flip those four seats that were flippable. And I'm working with candidates all across the country, men and women who I believe in and who I support, because we need to get the money out of politics. We need to get candidates that want to overturn Citizens United and that want to have publicly funded um, elections. So that's my focus is to get those people elected. And then hopefully in November, I can just go take a long hot bath in the sun somewhere. No, I love what you're doing because this constant state of outrage isn't ultimately productive. So I find that when I limit the notifications I get, I actually clear my head and I'm able to be more productive. 
So tell me about your relationship with your phone. Like, are you sleeping with it? Yeah, we've had this conversation before. I know you don't approve of that. I do, Yeah, I sleep with my phone. I don't check it in the middle of the night or anything like that. Actually, I used to do that all the time because I get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night at least once or twice. And you told me not to check it in the middle of the night, which I don't. But I do still sleep with it in my room. I just turn it on over and put it under my pillow. Under your pillow? Yeah, my pillow next to me. I have a twin bed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what if I slept in a little? What are those trundle beds? Um, don't put it past me. I like those little beds. Uh, no, I put it in the pillow next to the, you know, underneath the yeah. pillow next to me. So there's no light coming out. That's the strategy there. And then you go there first thing in the morning? Uh, yes. I know. Well, you know what? My friend gave me a book of gratitude. So before I do that now, I haven't been perfect about it, but I, I write three things I'm grateful for and three things I'm happy that were, are going to happen today. So this morning I filled that out. So I went there before my phone. Right. So it's nice to do that. That's all uh, we recommend based on the latest science, not based on some uh, vague idea that if you take even a minute to think of three things you're grateful for or happy about then you put like a little barrier between you and all that the world demands of you because your phone is full of everybody's expectations right. and demands on you. Yeah. I mean, I'm really trying the meditation thing. I just am not good at meditating. I'm working with my psychiatrist and we do mindfulness meditation. Do you know Dr. Dan Siegel? Yes. So he's my doctor and we meditate together and we record our sessions and then I'm meant to do it on my own. And then when I do it on my own, you know, it's like... It, I'm not there yet. I'm not at the point where I can meditate and then actually really release and let go. But, you know, we are all works in progress. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody who is doing all this journey perfectly unless maybe they're on some the top of a mountain and they don't have to listen to Sarah Huckabee Saunders or anything that outrages them. Yeah. But the fact that we are taking steps along the way makes such a huge difference. Yeah. And we've had a lot of firsts, you know, in this, even in the special elections that have transpired since 2016. I mean, we've had so many firsts of women running. We have more, we have a record number of women running for Congress, over 300. We had 28,000 women sign up for EMILY's list this year. So throughout statewide, like state assembly elections, I mean, there is a lot to be like, optimistic about. So I'm just choosing to live in that space and be like, okay, let's do all we can to help these candidates get elected. I have fundraisers at my house all the time. I go to as many things as I can. And I try to be careful not to burn myself out, you know, pick your like causes, the things that you care about, and then explain when you get approached for other things, like it's too all, I'm already spread too thin, you know, being more respectful of my own personal time without being, you know, a bitch about it. And then how, how do you change things when you're beginning to feel burnt out? Uh, when I'm beginning to feel burnt out, I take off. Like I, I, For me, so far this year, I've skied probably 30 days because that's my kind of release. But skiing season's over, so I'm either going to have to go to South America <laughs> or... Um, but as long as I take a week off like every two weeks like or three weeks, if I just disengage and just have a week of writing. I'm writing a book. You know, I'm really trying to go deep in this book and write something really like that has depth, uh, hopefully, you know, still remaining funny or amusing. But I want to really like talk about things I haven't spoken about. So I like to give myself time and room to do that, you know, and then you're right. And then I'm more effective when I come back and kind of hustle when I'm in town and try and raise money for the things that mean, you know, mean something. Okay, we're now going to take a quick break to share a sleep tip brought to you by our sponsor, Sleep Number, because sleep makes the difference for a thriving mind, body, and soul. Today's sleep tip is to avoid caffeine after 2 p.m. 
Today, caffeine has become a key component of our sleep-deprived culture. But when taken too late in the day, when we are trying to fight off that afternoon slump, caffeine can hinder our ability to fall asleep or can cause restless sleep at night. As a result, we are even more tired the next day. So if you are deciding between the two, caffeine or a nap, the science is clear. In a productivity version of rock, paper, scissors, naps trump caffeine. This sleep tip was brought to you by Sleep Number, the bed that knows you, senses you, and adjusts to you. Only at sleepnumber.com slash thrive. And so in that book, when you say you're trying to go deep, is it deep in your own life or in things you care about, ideas? Yeah, it's about my, like, you know, my brother died when I was young and talking, writing about that for the first time. I've never been able to write about that. I've never even thought about sharing that experience about my mother being sick with cancer, about her dying, about the election and what it did to me viscerally, you know, why I had such a reaction and why I changed course so, you know, stridently in my life, like, this is not acceptable at all. You know, I never had to worry about the state of this country. I grew up like, you know, living the American dream. I am a product of the American dream. I had every advantage and every privilege. And I, you know, it took me embarrassingly, it took me till I was 40 to start to look around and go, wait a second, this isn't adding up. Life is a little too easy for me. Like, this isn't how it is for people of color. This isn't how it is for the transgender community. And to think about how to get outside of your lane and actually think about people's experiences who are unlike your own. It's kind of interesting because you are having this um, experience uh, at the same time when empathy is going down dramatically in this country. Uh, partly because of the overuse of technology and social media, which is having the impact of making people less empathetic and and uh, less actually f- connected to everyone around them. Yeah. Well, I think I have a lack of empathy anyway, because my we've talked about this. We My doctor and I talk about this thing called the Enneagram. Have yes, you ever done yes, that? Yeah. Yes. What number are you? I don't remember. Um, number eight. But that's the eights lack. I'm like, what, you know, what are the weaknesses of eights? And he goes, eights lack empathy. And when he said that, it like literally hit me over the head because I was like, oh, yeah. And I, he goes, I go, he goes, you don't, that doesn't mean you lack sympathy. It doesn't mean you're not caring or compassionate. You lack understanding what it's like to be in another person's shoes. And I mean, I've been through so many things with my friends where I've been there and been the fixer and the, you know, the picker upper, but I've, never contemplated what it must feel like to be them. I just wanted to fix the situation. Fix, 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 which is what an eight is. So, you know, you can glom onto these things or not. I mean, it's a little like astrology adjacent. I don't associate it with astrology at all, but that's just because I want to believe in it for the moment and it's working for me. So, um, but I found it helpful to understand that and identify it because then you have something you can focus on getting better at and you have like what he calls a growth edge. So you're actually now cultivating your empathy. Yes, I am. I'm really thinking, oh, well, I wouldn't react to something like that. Like, instead of going, what are you doing? Why are you doing it that way? I I stop myself and go, oh, that person is not me. They don't think about that in the way I do. Wouldn't it be interesting to see how they think instead? So it's definitely when you can identify an issue. You know, it's like if you're hungover, this is very basic and a silly parallel, but like if you're hungover and you're in a bad mood, you know and I can identify that you're in a bad mood because of that hangover. And once you realize that's what it's all connected, then you can kind of like release it, you know, you don't blame, you know that that's why you're sad or that's why you're. And you know it will pass. Yeah. And I think when you have something to focus on getting better at, it sharpens that focus a lot. So for me, it's really been helpful. Yeah. This guy's been great with me. I've kind of like gone, gotten over a lot of 
my issues and anger. You know, I think like my anger really kind of culminated with this election. And I think personal anger stuff I hadn't dealt with that I really kind of came like, you know, when he got elected, Donald Trump, I just like it all came out. And I was ready to just be like, okay, I want to like clean this mess up and figure out how to move on in like a very productive and adult way. Because even though I'm 43, I feel like I'm 12 and I live like a 12 year old, but I'm an adult and I need to act like one once in a while. I love on your Instagram when you talk about Bert and Bernice, your new dogs. Mm -hmm. And there was one when you said that when one of them pisses you off or does something that irritates you, how you now are doing something new, which is you kind of increase the loving towards them. Yeah. Like when a dog rebuffs you, like my dog Bert just comes up, he'll sleep in my bed all night like a lover. And then I wake up in the morning and he just rebuffs me. Like it's over. That never happened. We were never together. It's like somebody blowing you off the next day after having sex with them. Not that I'm doing that with my dogs, but... (laughs) And so now I just go and double him. Like, instead of getting annoyed, like, my feelings are hurt, but it's so not about me. It's about him, obviously. Like, he's got his issues. This has nothing to do with me. So me acting upset or rejected is, like, not helpful to the cause. And I think that is applicable to anything in life. You take everything personally because you don't like it when you don't get chosen or invited or if somebody's mean to you. But most oftentimes it has nothing to do with you. I just wish I knew that during my relationships, you know, instead of feeling rebuffed, I could have doubled down on the love. On the love, yeah. I also think that, like, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'm practicing to maybe be in a regular, healthy, long-term <laughs> adult relationship. That's my next. If I could do that. I thought I was kind of smarter than everyone by staying out of an adult relationship. And then I was like, wait, no, no, no. Maybe there's actually something about me that doesn't want to be a part of that. And I should examine that. And now maybe you're getting readier. Yes. So you were in a relationship once with somebody in my building in New York, which yes. I kind of loved because I would see you go in and out. I'm arrive. sure you saw a lot of women go in and out of that apartment. No, no, no. Arrive in the middle of the night from Los Angeles, <laughs> leave in the middle of the morning. And I I kind of want to find you somebody in my building. Good. That would be great. It, it would be fun. Yeah. I need somebody who can put me in my place, you know? Like somebody who can, I want a man that can be like, listen, you're out of, you know, you're out of line right now. Like I want somebody who can kind of manhandle me, so to speak, in the nice way. And you can do it to them. In a loving way. Yes. You want somebody who is not going to be overwhelmed by the whole Chelsea handlerness. No, no. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Because it's a boner killer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And you're really good at giving it back. So it's not like you would just take it. Yeah, I know. I'm good at giving it back. And I think I'm good at being like, you know, I'm good. I don't know if I'm good in being in a relationship. I've only been in a couple adult relationships and I thought I was good at them, but I don't know. You know, you never know if you're what you're, you know, if you're good at. You think you just have to really be conscientious about what you're, how you're treating people, you know, and the people that you care about in your life. I think we spend so much of our 20s and 30s in so much in our own lane because we're so worried about where our lives are headed and who we're going to be with and are those our friends, where we're going to live, what's our job going to be, that by the time, you know, sometimes you can get to 40 and it's you've created life and kids and it's you're still looking, you know, at your own life all the time. The people that I admire the most are able to look outside of their lives and still be available, you know, to those people. So that's like my goal. So ideally, it should be somebody who also cares a lot about changing the world, right? Well, as long as they're responsible, they're not a crook, a criminal or a liar, then I'm pretty, 
You know, I think I could make things work. I want somebody who's responsible. I'd love somebody who's not in show business, somebody who's smarter than I am, you know, like all the things that you look up to in a person. But you said that your ideas of what you are looking for in a man have changed. Yeah. Well, I say a lot of things. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they have. I mean, I'm open to anything. I don't have a type or anything. I'm open to guys. I mean, I have flings with men that I would no one would ever imagine me being with, and they go, oh, my gosh. But for a long-term partner, yeah, you'd have to be pretty, like, I'd have to really be pretty drawn to you to, like, be, get into something serious. And they have to love Bert and Bernice, right? Yeah, yeah, they have to love the dogs, of course. I don't trust men who don't like dogs. Yeah, so so that's a condition. Yeah. We've got one condition yeah. only. I would, I would prefer them to have dogs of their own also. Okay, because then that means they're used to it. Yeah, then we can blend families. <laughs> and also... New babies? Do you want babies? No, no, babies. No babies. No, I'm not into babies, and I'm not into getting married. Okay, but if the guy has babies, okay, you'll put up with that. Uh, yeah, I've done that before. That works out okay. I've had good experiences with people with stepchildren kind of-ish. So I met, before we started, your best friend, Mary McCormack. Mm-hmm. And you're doing a show with her? Yeah, we're producing a show uh, for Hulu. Uh, on this book called Unspeakable that I optioned the rights to, and uh, she's starring in it. It's about a 45-year-old woman who get, is getting divorced, her mother dies, her dog dies, and she's left with her 20-year-old self, who also is a character in the show. And the 20-year-old and the 45-year-old are like, what happened to my life? We had all these plans, and da da And the 45-year-old feels totally self-assured and self-actualized to have not gone through with having kids. She didn't... So it's a very interesting kind of theme for a show, and then Mary's husband's attached to direct it. So I'm excited to do that with her. I'm producing a lot of um, stuff. I'm optioning a lot of books and trying to make them into TV shows with different networks right now. And you're also doing a show called I Hate the Internet. Yeah, I do hate the Internet. I Tell find me about that. That's a book uh, by Jarrett Kobach that I read, and we uh, sold that to TNT, so we're developing it there. We're actually looking to attach a writer to that. And that's a great book, and it's a great kind of— you know, it's just a great kind of takedown of this capitalistic world that we're living in with the Facebooks and the Amazon and the Google and, the, the you know, the three biggest companies in the world kind of controlling everything and the monopolization and the capitalization and how the Internet can ruin your life in a day. Like with all the good things that it brings, look at all the bad things it's brought. You know, look at the Russian interference. Look at the people who have been tortured online or bullied online or, you know, all of that is so ugly and nasty. But so it's about holding all these people accountable, you know, and kind of saying, fuck the Internet. You know, fuck social media. It's awful. All of it is. It's, you know, it's kind of degrading also. I mean, I don't – I obviously, you know, you want to do it if you're in a position to spread messages and especially for campaigning and stuff. And obviously being in this entertainment industry, you want to have to have social media. But I really wish I didn't have to do it. Because you have like a huge number of followers. You have over 15 million followers. Probably collectively. Yes. In yeah. between Twitter and Instagram uh -huh. and and you – Spend how much time of your day on it? I'm on Twitter a lot because I read a lot of news on Twitter. I prefer Twitter because at least it's cerebral to a degree. Instagram, I find, is like people only like it if you post photos of yourself where you look like really pretty and, you know, like I have a hard time with that. I try and do it sometimes and have fun with it and like so it's my personality and I'm not just like giving in to some conformity that isn't me. But Instagram is not for politics. And then Facebook is everybody to tell you that they hate you and they want you to die. <laughs> so there's great, there's three great different platforms for you to try. You choose. 
But are you affected by the negativity in social media or you take it in your stride and forget about it? I mean, I'm not that affected by it that I would like change like who I am, but it can bum you out once in a while. I mean, I choose not to read a lot of that stuff. I already got those messages loud and clear my whole life. I've always kind of been divisive and I've always been kind of like, oh, she's inappropriate or she's too loud or she's too, you know, whatever. So but also obviously, beloved. You know, you've also been incredibly beloved. Oh, well, thank you. No, That's it's nice. the truth. That's I mean, you know, I... sometimes we tend to focus on the people who don't like us or criticize us and ignore, you know, the millions who love you. Yeah, that's true. That's something Dr. Siegel would say to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he would say that. We should have had him here. Yeah, because it's. I say that to my daughters. You know, you know my daughters, they're in their 20s. And there's something, especially with women, that we focus on the negative. We focus on what's not working. We focus on the one person who said something mean about us. Yeah. And also women also focus. It's like a rat race. We've been trained that if one of us succeeds, the other 10 of us can't. That there's only room for one girl. That there's only room for, you know, one woman in the top of this company. And we are reframing that this year. And, you know, I mean, we are changing that. because. And you said that. You said that in your career, it was often women who sort of tried to stand in your way or didn't support you. Yeah. And I'm not talking about other comedians. I'm talking about women in positions yeah. of power stood no, in my no, way. No. That was the most, um, I guess, that I came up against any personality was women in positions of power. And I remember thinking, like, I'm never, ever going to behave like that when I'm in a position to hire women. Yeah, and I think it's partly feeling that there are only so few positions at the top. And now we are opening up, you know, having a greater sense of abundance. Yeah. And celebrating each other's successes, which is so much more fun. Yeah, it is so much more fun. And that's what's been the silver lining in this election is that everyone's coming together and the Women's March. And, you know, I've befriended so many women that I wasn't friends with before because we have a common goal. And the goal is, like, unification and being on the right side of history. It's not a, a nasty goal. It's not like we're trying to leave other girls out. We're trying to include everybody. And there's more inclusivity now than I feel like there ever has been, even though we're up against an administration that wants to exclude. I think women are doing a really good job of pulling together and making this year count. And this being the year of the woman. Yeah. And it's also the year when we want to put technology in its place. It's kind of been an amazing yeah. year of many awakenings. I mean, really, up until this year, we thought technology was only good. I mean, no, you are ahead of the curve because you even created this app, Gotta Go. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I wasn't ahead of the curve. That was behind the curve, or around no, the corner from the curve. that is really good. That was about putting limits, using having technology help you set these limits. We created a Thrive app that helps you put your phone in Thrive mode when you are having dinner with friends or doing your deep writing and you don't want to be interrupted. And if I text you, I would get a text back that says Chelsea's in thrive mode until such and such a time. Oh, I like that. So to begin to kind of change the culture too, so that the expectation is that you have to be always on. No, I like that. I want to be in thrive mode. Okay. So it's in Android for now, but in a few months it will also be on Okay. That's good. That's a good one. People need to do that. That's like the, yeah, we have to exercise. It's like meditation. Like I'm not doing well meditating, but I'd rather just keep practicing it because I think eventually I'll get there, you know? And it's like turning your phones off. You're absolutely right. We all have to practice doing that. And we have to feel empowered to do it. We have agency. You know, sometimes people are waiting just for the tech companies to change. We may 
wait for a long time, but we can change right now. Yeah. So that's part of what we're trying to do. And also to get a mirror of your social media consumption. It's great to know how much time we've spent yeah. on Instagram or Candy Crush or whatever it is right. that we're slightly addicted to. So are you now looking ahead? I know you've said you're not a good planner. You don't have a five-year plan. Uh, but are you looking ahead at sort of life after the midterms? Uh, not really. I mean, I don't have a, like, I have to, sh I'm shooting a documentary with Netflix on white privilege. I'm going to do that in the summertime, I think. Hopefully, we're locking in a director for that. And then I just wanted to take this time and try and, like, really just put my feet on the ground until the midterms. And then after the midterms, I think I'll probably take a nice long vacation. Go skiing? No, well, yeah, maybe. Maybe I'll go skiing, probably. And then decide what, you know, obviously I have to work at some point, like work, work. I mean, I, you know, but it feels good. It feels good to be untethered. It feels good not to have to go to a studio each week and do that, you know, show. I just felt like I feel very free being able to just bop around and go to, you know, different parts of the country. I spent time in Ohio and Pennsylvania, Syracuse, upstate New York, you know, Florida. And it means a lot for me to be doing that. So I'm really grateful for the time off to do it. And I'm grateful that I can take the time off to do it. And also, I love the way you are talking about how you clear your mind after a bad day. You said if you've had a bad day and you need to clear your mind, you read. Yes. You got to get something that you want to read, though. Right. So what are you, are you reading something that you like right now? Uh, I'm reading a lot of scripts right now, actually, because we're looking for writers, and that's not my forte. Usually I prefer books because that's – but I'm now that I have – I've got an overall deal with Universal, so we're developing all these TV shows, and I have to read the writers that they submit or that people submit. So I'm reading a lot of scripts because I don't know a lot about script reading because I've never been in that world. I've always had a talk show. I've never been, you know, on a show. I mean, I've been on a few shows, but just as, like, little stints. So now I'm reading a lot of scripts. So that's kind of a different skill set. I'm not really good at that. I'm not, it's hard for me to focus on a script. You know, it has to be really compelling. Because your mind wanders. Yeah, I just feel like I could be reading something that's more educational, that's going to give me information. But, you know, scripts do the same thing. In you a mean like nonfiction? You would yeah. prefer reading nonfiction? Or fiction, you know, anything where you're going to come away with a little bit more like something. I like, I like to learn. You know, you're an amazing self improver. Oh, thank you. You want to always learn and get better. I know I'm like that too, so I get it. It's like constantly getting better, better. Yeah, well, I'm also at the same time declining in certain respects, you know? Like, I'm getting better at certain things and other things fall by the wayside. But Like what? I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I might be getting better in some areas, but other areas, you know... I mean, I still drink all the time. I haven't gotten better in that area. But I, I, I don't associate that with being bad. I like to drink. It kind of settles my brain down, too. Right. But um, would you like to be drinking less? Is that what you mean? I just want to be drinking responsibly. Like, I don't want to be irresponsible. But, I mean, I also don't ever want to, like, lose that sense of fun. freedom and fun and irresponsible. But there's a nice fine line, you know. I feel like if you get enough done, you get to do what you want. So I always have, like, work, work hard, and then I get to do what I want for three or four days or whatever the balance is. I like to show up for my friends, show up for my family, show up for causes that mean something to me and to, at a rate that is, you know, tiresome to most. But I like that. I like going hard. And then I like to reward myself. 
rewarding yourself with skiing. Skiing, vacations with my friends, having a weekend where everyone comes over. And, you know, we just have like, you know, we don't do anything all weekend besides just hang out outside and gossip and smoke weed, you know, and just have fun and not have any like not have the problems of the world, you know, on my shoulders. Not that they're on my shoulders, but sometimes I feel, you know, you feel you you self-impose in that respect and you want you think everything's up to you and you've got to take care of all these people and it's like I don't know I I do that to myself but I've always been really good at it so it's it comes easily it's not like I'm forcing myself you know and you don't need too much time by yourself would you say you are a complete extrovert Uh, I like time by myself Sundays are my days alone no like interaction on Sundays I don't talk to anyone I hang out in my room I barely get out of bed. I just like have a lazy Sunday, watch TV, read the Sunday Times, and that's it. I don't do anything. And now that Homeland's over, I don't really know what I'm going to do on Sunday nights. I'm so upset. Oh my gosh, I love that show so much. Homeland is the best. So you're going to watch Homeland repeats on Sunday No, night? I don't know if I can watch it. I, although I probably didn't even take in half the stuff that they are talking about because it's so complicated. But uh, I could watch it again and still have no new information. Uh, no, but I like watching. Like I like getting into bed and watching eight episodes on a Sunday of some show, like Catastrophe. And just Sundays are my sleep days where I catch up and I go to bed at 8 o'clock and then Monday I'm raring to go. And how is your sleep every day? Not great. Yeah, we talked about We've this. We talked about that. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I take usually I take a little bit of an edible at night, like THC and like uh, 10 milligrams or 20 milligrams, and then I'm okay with sleeping. But when I travel, if I'm on a plane for a long time, I'll take a Xanax. I try not to take Xanax as often, but I do take it. But I don't take it like I used to. Have you tried um, meditation apps that put you to sleep? No. I can barely get through regular meditation. How am I supposed to do a meditation app? Because they're specifically designed for sleep. I'll send you some. Okay. Yeah, I I love that. My sister has done a really good one. She sounds just like me, so it will be like I'm putting you to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I I do that. Whenever, like, I'm on a very long flight and um, I have trouble sleeping, I play one of my meditation. Yeah, I need to figure something out with my sleeping because I also don't sleep through the night. I get up like twice to go to the bathroom. But then can you go back to sleep? Yeah. So here's the most important thing, a transition to sleep. I need help falling asleep, not staying asleep. So the key there is to put your phone outside your room. I promise you, try that. All right. I'm going to send you a little phone bed. A little can I just use station. one of my doggy beds? Yeah, but I mean ours is a charging station that looks like a little phone bed. Okay. It has a little blankie, and you put your phone mm. under, you tuck it in, you say good night, see you in the morning. And you put it outside your room? Outside your room. All because, right. Because, you know, people learn through ritual. I'll do that. I like my little ritual. Like the end of my day, when I say the day is done, because the day is never done. You have to declare it done. Yeah, right. I just, that's my declaration is my phone in the little phone bed. Yeah. Tucked in. And then I have a shower or a long bath. The more, like, stressed I am, the longer the bath with Epsom salts, candles, whatever you like. That's so not going to happen with me. It's not? To take a bath with candles? No. What about shower? I mean, that's... A long shower. Anything long? I don't ever... I've never taken a long shower in my life. You haven't? No, my shower's like three minutes. 
Well, have you considered just trying it? Trying to actually bathe when I'm in the shower? No, <laughs> I haven't. No, no, it's not really for bathing. It's more for no, I know. slowing down your brain, I, your considerably fast brain. And it's almost like a ritual, kind of washing away the day and everything on your mind. That's and that, a good way to think of it. You really begin to feel like drowsy. So try it, try it. Okay. What do you lose? I will. No, I will try it. Yeah. And then, okay, one more thing. <laughs> I don't know if you sleep naked, but if you don't... I sleep in a bra and underwear. Thank you for asking. Bra and underwear. Every night, okay. bra and underwear. Okay, fine. Make them great, even if you're sleeping alone. There's something about rekindling the romance with sleep. Okay. You know, just something that you feel good in. Okay. And then only real books in bed. No screens. Yeah. Like when you are reading in bed... Yeah. It's got to be a book. Paper. Yeah. Because there's something about paper. You need to go look at my collection of books upstairs. I'm going to go look and pick some really amazing books that have nothing to do with work. No scripts before you go to sleep. Yeah, right. You know, history, poetry, novels, you know, something that takes you out of your life. Yeah, I used to do that all the time, and lately I just haven't because of the news. Yeah, and you can't go to bed with the news. news. No, no news. I know. What about trying it? I will. I'll try it for sure. And then see what happens. I knew that was how we were going to end this, end this conversation. Yeah. It was going to be about sleep. <laughs> it's a it's a refrain of our relationship every time I see you. It's a refrain of every relationship you have. <laughs> um, not really. Oh, really? Oh, well, then I not do feel really. special. <laughs> You're definitely special. So anyway, you'll try it because then think of it. If you get it, you're going to help so many people in the world. Yeah. And I think when people are more recharged, they're going to help others more. They're going to be more empathetic. Mm -hmm. And they're going to come up with better ideas to win the midterm elections. Yeah, for sure. There we go. So it's all connected. It's not selfish. That's the thing. We shouldn't think of it as indulgent. So let me ask you one quick thing about women and the fact that... um, So many women did not vote for Hillary. Yeah. That you've written about and spoken about. How can we change that? It's not just about Hillary. How can we change the fact that so many women voted against their own interests? Well, I think it's already changed because I think women, I think that, you know, the Time's Up movement and the Me Too movement was a referendum on this president. I don't think it would have happened had Hillary Clinton been elected that all these women would have felt compelled to come forward. I think the idea of electing Donald Trump became so shocking to understand that 54% of white women voted for a man that was talking about grabbing women by the pussy. I, I, I mean, we're just not voting for our best interests. And I think a lot of women probably realize that after. And the togetherness that we're feeling from the after effect of that election between women is a direct result of us voting against our best interests. You know, 94% of black women voted for Donald Trump. Black women know how to vote in their best interests, and they can't even rely on us to defend them. So I I feel like that is kind of coming around, and I think there's going to be a much bigger divide between women and Donald Trump in the next election. You know, sometimes I think women are worried. You know, I think it was a lot about, you know, not wanting Hillary, what we were talking about before, not wanting somebody to be rewarded to that degree because we've been taught that there hasn't been a female president in this country. I really believed that she was going to win, and now I really believe that— there will be a woman elected in our lifetime because we're so pissed off. And I'm glad we're this pissed off. I think it's great to be pissed off provided it leads to action rather than yes, this stagnation. kind of, um, you know, amazing rage that makes us uh, impotent Yeah, and uh, makes it hard at work. I mean, that's why you've spoken beautifully about the Parkland students yeah. and how amazing 
it is to see young people be so fearless. Yeah, it is really amazing. And ready to sort of take on anything and teach us so much. And uh, I loved something that you said, which I, I, I told my daughters, actually. You said that when you don't feel like you have the strength or are shy about defending yourself, you put someone you love in your shoes because it's easier to stick up for someone we love. That's such a lesson. It's such an amazing lesson because so often women, especially young women, don't stand up for themselves. I don't mean just in terms of sexual harassment, just anything. Mm -hmm. So I love that technique of imagining yeah. you're sticking up for someone else. Well, I think of it as like, well, I would do anything for my sister, my niece, my mother, my, you know, aunt. So I always put that because it's, that's exactly right. Even someone like me who everybody thinks is so outspoken and completely can defend herself. Yes, of course I can, but I, I have an easier time doing it for my best friend. You know, if I have to go to bat for her, it's much easier than me looking like a bitch on my own behalf. And uh, is there anything that you're afraid of? Um, you know, I, I'm afraid of, um, Plans. I'm, I'm afraid of making too many plans. I love the freedom that comes with being able to be an independent woman. Like I like the idea that I can pick up and go with my best friend on a, a surfing competition. My One of my closest friends runs the World Surfing League and I get to go to Bali with her and Tahiti with her. And, and then I'm able and in a position that I can reward myself in that way. But to me, it's also important like as an edification to go to as many places as you possibly can, you know, and see as many different cultures as you possibly can, while also making sure you show up for the country that you live in and the community that you live in and the people that you care about. But also doing nice things for yourself, as you put it. Oh, I'm covered in that yes, area. I, I do lots of nice things. Said, for I like to remind myself I'm on my side. That is so <laughs> That's a good great. quote. Is that my quote? Yes. Oh, I love I wanted, it. Let's make t-shirts. I'd like to remind myself. I'm on my side. Yeah, that's good. Because so many women, I mean, me included, you know, we have this obnoxious roommate living in our head that puts us down and doubts us and... It's great to remind ourselves we're on our side. Yeah, Brandon, write that down for a T-shirt. Yeah, let's do a T-shirt. I want one, Brandon, well, when you make know, this it. This company keeps asking me to come up with a slogan for a T-shirt, but what, what, I, I like to remind myself I'm on my side and then vote. Hashtag yeah. vote. Perfect. I like to remind myself I'm on my side. Vote. Hashtag vote. Pitch I that. I love that. And then, you know, you can do different things. I like to remind myself I'm on my side. Go to sleep. I like to remind myself I'm on my side. Go, go work sleep. out. Go to sleep. You know, all these Shut things, up and go to bed. All these things are about being on our side. Yeah. Sleep, right. work out, right. well, how we eat, you know, avoiding toxic people. You know, these are all indications that we're on our side. Let's okay. do it. Okay. We'll Copy. make a series of T-shirts. So just a couple more things. You recently said, have you seen how intense has been my research? On I know, it's impressive. I'm hearing things I've never heard before that <laughs> apparently came out of my mouth. They're all yours, I promise. You recently said that you have to be hopeful because otherwise it's just a dark morose time. So being optimistic, even on the days when you're most pissed off and outraged, how do you do it? Uh, well, you turn off the news and turn on something like that's edifying. Like I like, like you Homeland. know, <laughs> listening to podcasts. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the new <laughs> Homeland completely the whole season mirrors exactly what's going on in this country. It's like they're filming it in real time. Um, no, like you know, read a book, something that's going to give your soul something. Read a book, read a short story, listen to a podcast, get this yourself away from the stuff that's stressing you out. 
And self-care is obviously crucial. You know, we can all burn our end, you know, bridges or not bridges, sorry, burn our candle at both ends. It's Freudian <laughs> slip or something. Bridges. And burn bridges. But, uh, you know, we can all burn the candle at both ends, but that's not ex- actually how you get the most done. I mean, that's not being the most efficacious person. And so it's good to learn about yourself and when you are going to be out of steam. You know, I used to love when people would be like, I can't believe how much you do. You do the show five days a week. And then I was on tour and I was doing books and I was doing book signings and then live shows and doing stand up. And it's like, yeah, I, that was great that I did all that. But I ended up from all of that not wanting to do the show anymore, not wanting to do any more books and not wanting to do stand up. So I burned out so much. I mean, it was over a period right. of like six years. But still, I was like, I don't want to do stand up ever again. I don't want to ever write another book and I don't want to do this show. And that's when I left E. And kind of took a year off. And then I went to Netflix and I did my four documentaries. But, you know, I, like that and the show. And if I go all in, it's like I know what the result of that is going to be. And I don't want to burn out. That was fine for then. But now I don't want to burn out again. The next endeavor I have, I want it to be fruitful. Yeah, and you want to do it in a way where you are all in, but you are refueling at the same time. Yeah, That's I mean, really yeah, and then also knowing yourself. Like I'm a bit of a gypsy. I don't like to sit still for too long. I'm a vagabond. Like I like to bounce around. I like to go to different places. I like to meet new people. Like I'm really interested in like always talking to strangers. And once you know that about yourself and you don't think of that's a hindrance, you're like, oh, that's not a bad thing. Go explore. And you also metabolize experience quickly. Yeah. So you need right. to move on. Yeah. So do you still do an impersonation of me? Remember in Yellowstone? No, I didn't do that. That was John Lovett that did that. <laughs> no, I know, but you did one privately. No, yeah, I I'm didn't. Not, I'm not going to have you do I it. can't do an impersonation of you. I can can't you, do a Greek accent. But you can do a lot of impersonations. No, I don't think so. I'm not that good at impersonations. I'm not a good mimic. Sometimes, if I really have somebody that I'm studying. Then you can do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have to spend more time with you. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> and by the end of it, you'll be sleeping beautifully. Yeah, exactly. I'll be, asleep. I'll be, like, <laughs> I'll be sleeping for nine months straight. You'll have put me in a coma. You're like, Chelsea, this is necessary. And then I'll wake up and there'll be a baby. It'll be awful. And, and, then, like, and then you'll wake up and we will have taken back the Congress and the Senate and um, we'll be living in a utopian world. Chelsea, thank you so much. Thank you. For being our guest. Thanks for coming over. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having us in your home. So be sure to subscribe to the Thrive Global podcast with iHeartRadio on your favorite podcast app and stay tuned to thriveglobal.com and iHeartRadio for updates on the new episodes. Thank you. Yeah, sure. The Thrive Global Podcast is grateful to our sponsor, Sleep Number. If you aren't sleeping well, it could be your mattress. The Sleep Number bed lets you adjust each side to your ideal comfort, and it contours to your head, neck, shoulders, and hips, relieving pressure points. Discover the difference at sleepnumber.com slash thrive. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. 
Hey guys, it's Bobby Bones. I host the Bobby Bones Show, and I'm pretty much always sleepy because I wake up at three o'clock in the morning. A couple hours later, I get all my friends together, and we get into a room and we do a radio show. We share our lives, we tell our stories, we try to find as much good in the world as we possibly can, and we look through the news of the day that you'll care about. Also, your favorite country artists are always stopping by to hang out and share their lives and music too. So wake up with a bunch of my friends on 98.7 WMZQ in Washington, D.C. Or wherever the road takes you on the iHeartRadio app.